Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Alongside me from uh, the Evering F1 team today, we do have Sean. Hi, Sean. How are you? Good to be back. How's things? Yes, I'm very good. Thank you very much for asking. Um, we've got Akshar. Hi, Akshar. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yes, very good. Uh, Akshar, you're new to the podcast. So uh, if you want to give a, a brief introduction, who are you? Well, who's your favorite F1 team and driver? Uh, my name's Akshar. I came over from LTF1 to join this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite team and driver, uh, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. Uh, I got into F1 uh, around 2007, so it was a glorious support then, now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's me. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Well, good to have you aboard, and uh, I'm sure we'll look forward to having you on our future podcasts too. Thanks for joining us today. And we've also got Emma. Hi, Emma. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. I've been asked that three times. Yeah, <laughs> it's because it's because we're British. You've got that's to it. Ask. You have to ask. You have to ask. Well, we're we're all good, and we are the everything F one team. But you might see a face that you might recognise. Um, that's probably a lot more famous than we are. Uh, his name is Jehan Daruvala, and he drives for Prima, uh, and of course, he's a young Red Bull uh, driver academy driver too. So, hi, Jehan. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Probably not going to ask how you you, yeah. <laughs> you can ask me if you want to, but the answer will probably be very similar. <laughs> um, for the fans that may not know who you are, I can't imagine there are many. Could you possibly give us a like a brief one minute kind of overview of who you are? Yeah, uh, yeah, I am Jehan Daravala. I'm an Indian Formula Two driver who's uh, part of the Red Bull Junior team. I've been driving in Formula Two for three years. It's uh, my third season now. I did uh, two seasons at Carlin, and uh, yeah, I'm in my third and probably finally an hour at Prima. Ah, okay, well, let's we'll unpack that in a little bit then after we review the Hungarian Grand Prix. But thank you very much for joining us uh, today. We really do appreciate it. We are the Everything F1 podcast. Obviously, you can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, everywhere, really. Um, we're also on our shiny website, www.everythingf1.com. And we would love it if you were to subscribe to our podcast You can do that on any of your podcast streaming services by hitting the bell, hitting the subscribe, whichever button it is on your service to make sure you get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Now, something I want to talk about before we go into the Hungarian Grand Prix, actually, is the breaking news that happened the first day into the summer break. And that was Fernando Alonso has signed for Aston Martin for 2023, leaving the Alpine team and filling that vacant seat that Sebastian Vettel left late last week. Now, first things first, uh, we'll go to Jehan. Were you expecting that? Is that is that a shock news to you? Uh, 
not really. I heard a rumor already on the weekend that uh, you know it could be Alonso, but nothing confirmed, and that broke out Monday morning. Yeah. So I wasn't really that surprised when I saw my phone. Uh, in a way, I think it's good because it opens a seat at Alpine for for Oscar, who probably yeah definitely deserves to go there, and uh, yeah, hopefully his seat gets announced soon as well. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's that's exactly who I think pretty much every single person is expecting to fill that seat. So I think they'd cause an uproar if they didn't sign Oscar Piastri uh, into that seat yeah. for certain. And Sebastian Vettel's obviously retirement. Were you expecting to hear that, or, or was that out of the blue for even people of the paddock? No, I think that was a shock for for everyone. Uh, yeah, from what we heard, he obviously wanted to stay on and uh, continue in Formula One. Uh, yeah. You know, even at the British Grand Prix, he said that uh, he wanted to stay on and he. He enjoys racing, but uh, obviously he, he he called it quits. He he wants to continue, as he says, it's his second race and also spend time with his family now. So yeah, I think he's achieved everything he can. He's the, one of the most successful drivers ever in, in Formula One. So but yeah, fair play to him to you know call it call it a day. And uh, you know, even though he's uh, more than good enough to continue, he he knows when's the right time to stop and uh, you know carry on with the what's next for him. Yeah, it was a sad day uh, for a lot of people, a lot of Sebastian Vettel fans, uh, obviously mourning the loss of uh, such a a great four-time world champion. Uh, But as you say, uh, Jehan, he's achieved a a lot during his time uh, in the sport. He's he's broken a lot of records. Um, I still think he's got the youngest champion uh, record is that is that correct he beat, yeah, he beat still yeah. beat max verstappen at that so you know he that's going to stand for quite a while um and his name has certainly gone down in history books uh let, let's ask uh let's go sean were you sad to see sebastian vettel go surprised to see alonso fill that seat yes <laughs> let's move on <laughs> no yes carry on break it down um i, I woke up um uh, what was it thursday morning friday morning to, to like sebastian vettel has joined has joined instagram i was like oh what 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 why What's where'd this come from? And then what an hour later, Sebastian Vettel is retiring from I was like, oh, he had to have a reason, didn't he? He wouldn't just it seemed very strange to just do it out of the blue like that, but a good way to do it. And um to be honest, I'm not too surprised by Seb, um, which is a, a real shame because we all love Seb. That uh, we didn't all used to love Seb. Um, if I do that, put the finger up, are we all gonna get annoyed by that? Because we all really hated that. Um, but and multi twenty one said multi twenty one. That was his controversy. I, I, that one of many, yeah. Um, <laughs> so Red Bull Seb, not the most popular figure in Formula One. Ferrari Seb, probably the most popular figure in Formula One. <laughs> Aston Seb, one of the most popular sportsmen in the world. Um, like he, he's grown a lot. I think I'm not surprised he's leaving. That Aston is a bit of a dog. <laughs> Unfortunately, I get that he wanted to stay around and try the new cars. It's not worked out. They've clearly sold Alonso on something that will work out, but Seb clearly just not really committed to it anymore, which I I, I, I think he's dead right to do it. Um, his reasoning was, you know, he wants to spend more time with his family. He wants to do more things outside of racing, but family was the main thing. And we've seen from the likes of Nico Rosberg how, you know, when you commit all of every single fiber of your being to Formula One, mm. you almost risk your family entirely. And Rosberg left as soon as he achieved his goal. Sebastian has achieved his goals of winning championships. It's not going to happen again. Better to go spend time with his family and do more stuff outside of racing. I heard a wild rumor that we might see him in Formula E. Wouldn't actually surprise me in the slightest. I don't think um, that. From what he was saying, he said he's not going to leave one car to go and sit in another car. That's 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 he, what he said in, the, in, in one of his 
uh, interviews with Sky, I think he was. He did say that immediately, but there might be maybe like management. Maybe he'll join mm-hmm. Rosberg and Hamilton and set up a, an extreme E team. Um, I'm sure he's got a lot of stuff to do. I doubt it's the last we've seen of him in and around the Formula One paddock. Um, and I wish him all the best. Uh, yeah, imagine him. Yeah, it'd be great for Europe, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and Fernando, no, not surprised in the slightest. This is what his eighth move in Formula One. Um, I'm pretty sure he's just completing side missions now of ticking off all the teams he hasn't been in yet. Um, is it going to work? No, unlikely, especially now that Alpine are on the up. It's weird. I'm sure we'll get into it. I wasn't yeah. surprised it was going to be him. I think it was a strange move. Let's go to Akshar. Akshar, what were your opinions and feelings over the weekend and this this week finding out those bits of information? Yeah, similar, to be honest. Uh, to be honest, with Seb, I wasn't that shocked. I felt like, as soon as I saw the Instagram notif that he joined, that was a confirmation for me. But it mm-hmm. felt like he was maybe getting, not tired with the sport, but just getting more and more ready to leave. Um, the do, you, do you think it was his his moral compass that was kind of driving the decision? I think was, he's talking talking about obviously the race uh, of being for you know the greener environment. Really, that's the race that he he wants to kind of compete in now and, and push for. I think there were probably a few factors. There was obviously going to be the sustainability and the that movement that he's really supporting and getting behind. But I think also maybe other decisions by Formula One and FI where we race, etc., might have. Uh, played into that and lose talks of losing the historic tracks like Spa, it may have all just come to a head and he decided. But we completely respect him for, I think he's had a long and more than good enough career um, and now it's time for him to relax with his family. Okay, Emma, how about, was it Alonso a good decision to move to Aston Martin or do you think, no, that's going to come back and bite him on the backside? Um, I don't know because I think he said that he wanted a bit more security and that you know, they weren't offering that at Alpine. So I think that that's why he might have chosen to go there. And they do have that five-year plan that Lawrence keeps going on about, about, you know, eventually getting that championship winning car. So we'll see whether they actually manage to do that. But, mm. you know, I saw I saw a, um, a meme that was like Sebastian leaving so that there's a seat for new, for new drivers. And then it was like, and then Alonso fills it. But... Um, <laughs> but but it does leave a seat open. Yeah, but it just, a, so exactly. For it's Oscar, an indirect hopefully. move, but it, a move nonetheless. Okay, well, that's that's all we need to talk about. about that. You know, congratulations, Seb, on your many years of, of entertaining us as fans on the Formula One track and all your achievements that you've achieved on track. I look forward to watching you off track and seeing what you can achieve there too. Uh, and then good luck to uh, Fernando Alonso next year, Aston Martin. Will it be another bad decision on his part? Only time will tell. Okay, let's move on to the Hungarian Grand Prix then. Was it a weekend to remember? Was it one of the classics? Or do you think maybe it fell a bit flat? It was building to something, I think, but it never really quite got there. Uh, We'll go back to Jihan. What what, what were your thoughts on the F1 race this weekend? To be fair, I think the race itself uh, for Hungary, because, you know, as as all the drivers say, it's really hard to overtake. It's like the Monaco without the wall stuff. Uh, yeah. Considering it's Budapest, I think honestly the race was pretty good. Mm. Uh, obviously, Max started tenth and, and and he ended up winning it. Uh, there were quite a few on tracks overtakes for the lead a few times, and yeah, it's not normal to see that around Hungary. So I think all in all, uh, for me, it was a, a good and a positive Hungarian Grand Prix. 
Yeah, as I say, it, it felt the whole way through that you think it was building and building. You, you, you know, these tire strategies were either working or they weren't working. If we're talking about a certain team, and it just felt like it was building and building and building, but it just didn't get to like the crescendo that we were maybe expecting. But it was still a good race. I, I still enjoyed it. Actually, Ferrari's disaster weekend. It was just crazy. Ferrari have got a way of taking something really positive i.e. the qualifying performance, and then they, they Ferrari'd it again, unfortunately. What can you say? Well, you've said it all by making ferrari it a verb. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> weekend after weekend is a Ferrari disaster weekend at the moment. They've lost the championship this week. I feel like this is this was the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. With Verstappen starting 10th and then having a spin for them still not to clean up. Uh if I was a Ferrari fan, I'd have lost all hope this weekend. That would have been. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got a few Ferrari fans that do watch and listen to the podcast, and I'm sure they are gutted after this weekend, especially as it started quite well. Sean, Ferrari's performance this weekend. Oh. <laughs> how 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 do they do this? Like they've designed <laughs> they've designed the best car. They have absolutely nailed the new regulations. They've wiped the floor with Mercedes, who are. You know, my team don't make mistakes. They do, Lewis. They made a mistake this year. Ferrari didn't. And yet, like, someone said to me that the two boys are on such a tight leash that they wouldn't dare to speak out against the team no matter what. I mean, like, we've heard Lewis, Seb, Fernando, Max all scream down the radio going, I'm not pitting right now. I know better. Leave me alone. Yeah. And yet we heard last week in France, you know, Carlos saying, no, no, not now, not now, not now. And they just said, pit now, please. And in he went, and he arguably lost the podium for it. It's ah, uh, why did he go on hards? Don't know why he went on hards. <laughs> it's were they not looking at? Was it the Alpine that went on hards first, and just no? Because we are Ferrari, and we know better. <laughs> it's a shame. It, it is a shame because they were looking so good. As I said, it's it's such a shame. Um, it's almost embarrassing to watch sometimes you wonder does Charlotte Clerk stick around for the entirety of his contract if like he should be winning the championship this year it's as simple as that and like we've seen a bad Ferrari come within sniffing distance of the championship before because it was led by Fernando Alonso and he ignored team orders all the time <laughs> or enforced them on his own and now we're seeing an amazing Ferrari not get in with a chance because the team are their own worst enemies mm. Jayhan, do you think the championship's over between the Ferrari and the Red Bull now? Or do you think that there's an outside shot that Ferrari can bring it back? No, I, I, I do think obviously Ferrari and Red Bull both have uh, yeah, really good cars. So if anything, yeah, even Max has said on the weekend, Ferrari was a quicker car, but yeah, in the end, the strategies haven't paid off. Uh, you know, Charles has made a couple of mistakes himself as well. So, you know, I think the one in Budapest, in fact, was probably the least of their mistakes, uh, mm. even though it looked really bad. Uh, you know, either way, if it was the other way around, I think uh, Verstappen would have undercut Leclerc anyways. And uh, I think just from prior knowledge, uh, you know, track position with Spitzel at Budapest. So, you know, they thought even if the hardest, I think five to six and slow, he can still stay ahead of, of Verstappen. But uh, if he extended his uh, medium stint, uh, it was a guarantee that Verstappen would undercut him and Leclerc would have to make the overtake on track to win the race. So I think yeah, it was a call they made at the time. Obviously, they don't uh, they don't they think in split seconds, and in the end, it was the wrong call. I think mm. the only thing, the only mistake they did was not looking at the the Alpines and uh, the pace that every other car had on the 
on the hard tires. Uh, but I've, I have seen races before where, you know, the top teams do put on the tire and because they have so much downforce and more downforce than, than the other cars, they, they can make it work. So mm. uh, I think Ferrari probably thought they could make the hard tire work, even though the other teams couldn't. And yeah, it, uh, it stabbed them in the back. Uh, there was a, a comment from Max after the race uh, in, during an interview. He said, we, we use the hard on our lap to the grid uh, and immediately knew from that instance, he or he immediately knew from that instance that that tyre wasn't going to work uh, on Sunday itself, even though it looked, it looked okay, obviously, earlier in the weekend. Um, how much does driver feedback, uh, you, you'll know this, Jehan, um, kind of dictate what the uh, strategists would do? W- would Charles had the opportunity to say, no, I don't think that hard tyre is going to work? Yeah, I think, obviously, it's it, it Charles would have a say, but... Uh... It was strange because if you see his pace after he got off the hard onto the soft, it wasn't anything impressive. So mm. if Stappen did undercut Charles on the medium, I wouldn't see a way that Charles would come back by him. So even the other way around, they would say, oh, they've given up the race to, to Red Bull again. So, uh, you know, I think it was a tricky call. Uh, in the end, I don't think Ferrari had the pace they expected in the race. And that's why they lost. Uh, mm. Yeah, the, the strategy was one thing, but uh, you know, science didn't have a bad strategy, and he still finished fourth on on pure patriot. So, yeah, I just don't think they were quick enough on Sunday. I think that's a good point as well. And like, science had virtually no pace on the soft at the end either. Like, it took him what ten laps to close seven seconds, and then was stuck two seconds behind George Russell for the rest of the race mm. on newer soft tires. I just could make no inroads on it whatsoever. It's just, yeah, it seemed the mediums worked like a treat for them. And then the other two compounds, for who knows what reason, just weren't working at all. And I'm sure Ferrari only knows the reason why. Mm. Well, again, the, the, the track had also been washed, obviously, quite heavily because of the rain um, mm. over the weekend. So uh, there are many factors, factors I guess. Uh, and you would have noticed that in your race, uh, Jihan, I guess, uh, in the F2. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's yeah, talk... Sure. When- Oh, go, I think when the track is uh, when the track is like washes away all the rubber, there's a lot more raining and than people expect. So, especially in F1 as well, I think that's why they all uh, stayed off the hard just because it doesn't work in the cold conditions. And uh, yeah, the medium tire, in fact, it gave them decent grip. The delta wasn't that big compared to the soft, but it just lasted a lot longer. So, yeah, I think. Uh, the other teams benefited by the cooler conditions and also starting on, on the soft. I think that's where the race was really made. You know, once mm-hmm. Ferrari started on the medium, after they put on another set of mediums, they were they, they were restricted to either go 30 laps on a soft or put on a hard. So I think, uh, yeah, once they, they used both mediums, they really had uh, no choice. Uh, the other choice, yeah, was to extend Leclerc's stint and, and let him come out on fresh options in the end. But... Like I said, I think they gambled on, on track position being a priority and uh, mm. clearly uh, it didn't work out for them. Okay, well, let's move on to the Red Bull team. Obviously, we've mentioned that Max Verstappen was the eventual winner uh, coming down from 10th all the way to 1st. Uh, Emma, give us a low, your lowdown on, on the Red Bull team this weekend. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I can't remember where Perez finished. Was it 4th? 5th. 5th. Okay. Well, I mean, it was all right then for them without getting the win and all those points. And now uh, Max is 80 points ahead. So I think it's definitely um, 
you know, in my opinion, I think the championship's probably over. It's going to take Red Bull going to have to sit. Sorry if you can hear my cat meowing. Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to seriously fumble the bag in order to lose the championship, I think. Um, but yeah, I think they had a good race and their tyre strategy was obviously you know, pretty much perfect for Max. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for them, you know. Max coming from 10th, obviously they had engine issues earlier in the, in the weekend for both Perez and Max. Yeah, Perez was 11th, I think, when he, when he started. So, I mean, mm. they both gained a lot of positions during the race. So that's good for them. And I'm just happy to see her. Merck on the podium once again. Let's talk about Mercedes then, because Mercedes are looking really strong. It's the fifth podium in the row for the seven-time world champion, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, and George Russell's even been on there the last couple in exactly the same order um, as they were France to Hungary. Um, Jehan, are you happy to see the Mercedes fighting again with the front of the pack? Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely good for the sport to have three teams fighting uh, in the front. I do think that they're just optimizing their package uh, and making the most of their tire strategies in the racing. I don't think they have the pure pace still of Red Bull and, and Ferrari, but uh, yeah, they seem to be getting better and better, closer and closer. You know, in the start of the, the weekend, mm-hmm. um, in free practice, they were miles off and then Russell put it on pole and a complete dry qualified. So yeah, I think they're, they're definitely getting closer and uh, they have two fantastic drivers as well. So, you know, I think it's good for Formula One that, uh, now we have three teams fighting for race wins and 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 podiums. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I'm a Red Bull fan, so <laughs> the more Max wins, the better. What What were your opinions on Max then? Obviously, a, a pretty flawless performance, apart from a little pirouette that he did have uh, early on in the race, but he kind of caught that and carried on, and still obviously managed to 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 get that that all important win. Yeah, I think honestly, I think Max is on a, quite a bit of a roll right now. Uh, you know, if you look at where Checo was in the beginning of the season to where Perez is now, uh, you know, the gap starting to look a bit more like it did uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in, in Budapest the whole weekend, he was quite a long way off Verstappen. And yeah, I think that that, that showed, uh, you know, yeah, he did uh, get blocked a bit by Magnussen in, in, in qualifying in Q2, but it was probably just a little bit, but he couldn't get the car into Q3 while, you know, Max was in the shot for pole, so... Yeah, I think Max is uh, in a good place right now. He's obviously leading by 80 points. Uh, when he finishes, it seems like he just keeps winning and it uh, doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. Absolutely. Akshar, got anything to add about either Red Bull or Mercedes? Red Bull and Max in that car, he's in the form of his life. They're, I don't think any other driver looks so together with their car most weekends. Obviously, in qualifying, he had a little bit of a, a, little bit of a howler. And um, even in the race, he was complaining about some issues. But even through the issues the the package and the driver together untouchable at the moment mercedes showing the rest of the grid how to build back after a setback next year i'm sure they'll be right at the shop end and that's what we like to see more more than one team uh, attacking red bull because it seems that the other team attacking red bull has forgotten how to compete at the top end of the sport so let's put it that way sean you look like you want to say something yeah, I've got a fun one for you. The record for most wins in a season is 13. Max has nine races left to get five more. But that, it's, it's easier nowadays with more races per season. It, it's, oh, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a fantastic achievement. I'm not putting it down. But with you know 23 races instead of 19, 18 or whatever mm. we've seen historically, it does become easier, doesn't it? Still definitely up for grabs, though. And there's you know a few more tracks. Lewis Hamilton still has a bit of time to keep his perfect record going. He's never not won a race in a season. 
would you stick a fiver on him for Brazil, maybe? He loves that track. He's an honorary Brazilian later in the season. Mm. Just, uh, just, yeah, <laughs> I, I probably would as well, to be honest. But uh, yeah, a lot of tracks and like kind of looking at the... It's hard to know what's, what track is going to benefit which car because theoretically, that Ferrari works on every track. Mm. In practice, Ferrari don't work on every track. So <laughs> the Red Bull probably will. So it'd be a very interesting second half of the season. But uh, no, Max, you know, brilliant performance. He's in the form of his life. He's very much emulating that 2013 Seb, I think. Hmm. Just how relentless he is going about it all. Very, very impressive. Shout out to Checo as well. He had a bit of a shocker in qualifying, but yeah. making it up to, to fifth. I think he had a good race as well. Really good maximizing points for the team when Ferrari stumbled with both cars. I don't think Sainz really did all that much wrong, just the team did. But uh, yeah, it was, a good, it was a good race. I've, I've been to the Hungarian Grand Prix in 2019, and that was mm-hmm. exciting because it was the race where Lewis stuck on soft for 20 laps and hunted down 21 seconds to Max to overtake him with a lap and a half to go. But as Jam mentioned earlier on, like this was an exciting race in terms of overtakes. I was at it, and the only overtake that I remember was the one for the lead with like a lap to go. Um, yeah. The excitement, the excitement that weekend came from literally getting my phone out and timing Lewis's laps to see how close <laughs> he was getting to Max because I couldn't see the timing screens. And it was still a good weekend. It's a fun track. It's a, it's a great experience. Everyone there is mad for Formula One. But this was an exciting race, especially by hungry, hungry standards. It was definitely one of the better I remember. Yeah, as I say, it was it, it had something the whole way through. It just didn't get mm. that slight crescendo that it was building to. I felt like it was it, I felt like it was going to give more at some point, but it, it never did. Okay, well, let's talk about some other teams. Uh, I realize obviously we've we've kind of stuck to Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes. There are other teams uh, within the championship. Um we don't need to speak about every single one of them because some of them were a bit anonymous this weekend. We're going to go into each of you and ask you to talk about one team that maybe either impressed you or disappointed you this weekend. So I'm going to start with, I'll go to Emma, who either impressed you or disappointed you that you want to speak about. Maybe Ricardo, I'd okay. say probably. The thing is, he he did so well with that double overtake and everyone was like, he's back. And then he got a five second penalty. I can't remember, did he make contact with someone? But um, yeah, that was a shame for him. And then poor Norris. Only got to, yeah, yeah, he only got... Um, one point, I think. I think Lando came tenth. Mm. Um, so it was a shame for McLaren because they had double points last race. So obviously they were planning on trying to close the gap to because I know Alpine's now overtaken them in the standings. So it's a shame for them. But yeah, everyone was so excited, mm. and then he got that penalty. So it could have been a good race for him. So I felt a bit sorry for him to be honest. I think Lando actually came seventh. Apparently, Lando was seventh. Yeah. Oh, was he? All right. Okay. Well, that's better than them. At least they've got some points. But yeah. Yeah, he well, we, we, we've spoken about him a lot this season. He's disappointed at, at various opportunities. Uh, he's in a rut. Maybe that rut will change after a, a bit of a summer break. And obviously, the, the might, last year, yeah, exactly. The summer break did him well last year. He came back with a you know, fighting passion for, for, for racing. So let's hope that happens again for him and McLaren, uh, as not so secret McLaren fans uh, on the podcast. Akshar, who would you like to speak about? Either disappointed you or impressed you? Well, I'm actually also going with McLaren. Okay. Uh, seeing their performance last year and even towards the start of the season, and now it's kind of just slipping away. Like Emma said, getting getting overtaken by Alpine and really focusing on that battle now. I just felt like I wanted so much more from the team this year. 
but we're just not getting in. It seems to be getting worse and worse uh, rather than better and better. And I just really want to see Norris and Ricardo fighting with, or at least factoring into the top three's decisions, just barking at their heels a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we're not seeming to get it at the moment. Yeah, it is a shame. It's, it's hard to watch, uh, especially when you see Alpine performing as well as they are at various points, obviously, unless they're putting the hard tyre on, of course. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Have you got an opinion on McLaren, uh, Jayhan? Uh, obviously, being uh, from an outsider uh, of the podcast, we're quite positive about McLaren usually, and it's sad to see them performing in the way they are. Yeah, I think obviously uh, from where they started off in Bahrain, I think they've taken steps forward. For a lot of the qualifying, Lando looked like he's in the shout for top three and... Uh, you know, he qualified fourth. I think uh, Lando is at one with, with the car and qualifying. He's, he's, he really is maximizing uh, the car. And, you know, you can see the gap with, with, with Ricciardo. Uh, mm-hmm. I think over obviously over 70 laps, uh, you know, you really see which cars are better than the, the other cars. Uh, and uh, he finished 60 odd seconds, I think, behind the car in front. So, yeah, I think he's doing a really good job in, in the McLaren Lando. But, yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough fight between them and Alpine uh, throughout the season. I think uh, Ricardo needs to get some better results for McLaren to finish ahead of uh, Alpine. Uh, I think Norris is doing a good job, but uh, yeah, I think they both need to be scoring points uh, for them to finish in front. Yeah, absolutely agree. Okay, Sean, we'll ask you, who impressed, who disappointed? I will give a shout out to Alpine. They they were they had a pretty good weekend. I think overall they had Esteban finished qualified fifth, where he won last year. Obviously, Fernando sixth, so it was good qualifying for them behind mm. Lando in fourth, and then they got a double points finish at least. But and only for Lando Norris, they'd have extended their uh, lead over McLaren. But you know they're eighth and ninth. Their six points for eighth and ninth matched Lando's six points on his own for seventh. So literally, as Shane said. Lando is carrying that whole team on his back now because Danny cannot get to grips with that car for God, who knows what reason anymore. But uh, no, good weekend for for Alpine, I think overall. But obviously, you know they they won't look back on it too fondly with Fernando blindsiding them a little bit. <laughs> Apparently, they were a little bit unaware of that going to happen. Oh wow! Um, disappointment. I mean, it's got to be Williams. Were they even in that race? Yeah, Latifi was fastest well, other in than, other than practice. practice. <laughs> other than practice. <laughs> and and uh, Alvin was third fastest, I believe, with Charles in the middle of them. But uh, Rain like, will do that, hey? <laughs> that, the Williams is unbeatable in the rain, Just, even in the new generation of cars. Like it, the older days, Russell was Mr. Saturday getting into Q3 in Austria and obviously had his podium in Belgium. Yeah. Um, but I don't, like I, I don't think they were on they were on TV once because just nothing of interest happened with Williams for that whole race. Yeah, it was business as usual. As soon as free practice three finished and in qualifying uh-huh. he was he qualified twentieth. Yeah. Say. So yeah, and literally like that was a bit of a swing of a two hour gap <laughs> for Nicholas the TV. It's a shame. Uh, he's, he's a nice yeah. guy. He's a nice guy, but I can't see that seat being uh, his next year. That's no, my personal opinion. Not. Obviously, I don't have any inside information. Somebody who might have inside information, Jay Han, and <laughs> <laughs> any kind of knowledge about that, that? Any whispers around the paddock? No, not that I that I heard of. I don't know if Latifi is going to stay on. Uh, in the past, there were rumors about Oscar taking that seat, but uh, yeah. mm-hmm. obviously, I think Oscar's going to be taking the Alpine seat. So uh, I don't really uh, know any rumors. Uh, you fair. know, the most logical thing could be Logan. Uh, you know, he's third in F2. He's 
American driver. And yeah, mm. he's, I think he's really quick and probably deserves to go to Formula One. And uh, he's part of the Williams Academy, which is also, uh, you know, a big thing for him. So, yeah, no rumors, but I think that could be a logical uh, seat for Logan. I heard some talk about Logan, and it does make sense. Or Nick DeVries, yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, he's my one. He's also in that car. Williams, and also I think he's been waiting for an F1 seat for quite a while. But then there is also money. Nicholas Latifi does come with money. Yeah, so money might talk in the long run, but I, I can't see now. It's under Doralton Capital. I, I can't can't see them being struggling for money too much with investments and a budget cap. Pay drivers in that sense, like being the whole reason a team is afloat, should be caught, start to become a bit less of a thing. I think. In I mean, F1, go be, there will always be pay drivers. I've, I've got nothing against pay drivers. Uh, you know, no, they, no, I'm, I, I'm a, not saying they've got a place. I, do, I, don't, I don't mean that either, but I mean like the the idea that the only thing that would keep him in Formula One anymore would be mm. his backing. I think I think the sport is is going beyond that now. With obviously, especially for Williams with Darrells in there and just with a budget cap. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Jayhan? Anyone impressed you over the weekend or maybe disappointed you in their performance? I think a disappointment would be Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Okay, the strategy was one thing, but just their lack of pace on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I think that would be disappointing. Uh, and impressed me, I would say, Max. Uh, you know, he, he obviously had a... He was fast all weekend. He was in the shot for pole. He had a lock-up on the first set in Q3, and then in the second set, they obviously had a, a problem with the gearbox or something. And yeah, starting 10th, he didn't put a foot wrong. Obviously, he did spin, but, um, mm. you know, he had a lot of pace. I think, uh, you know, in, in the end, he was still pumping in really good times. And, uh, yeah, they, he just seemed out of trouble. So, I think, yeah, Max is definitely uh, impressed me the most and is continuously impressing me week in, week out. Uh, you know, he seems like uh, the real deal. You know, uh, he doesn't throw away points by himself. Uh, he doesn't crash. He stays out of trouble and, uh, he keeps scoring 25 points week in, week out. So uh, it looks hard to beat him right now. Absolutely. Um, well, I think I think that's pretty much all we need to talk about. I think Tsunoda had a little spin. Uh, I don't think there was much else that kind of happened down there. Alter, in- Alteri's power unit went pop, so making the weekend even worse for Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they've, they've got some work to do over this summer break. Definitely, uh, Ferrari, even if it's just work on their strategy calls. Maybe they need to play a few games on the uh, on the F1 2022 <laughs> or something like that. I think they've had, they've had like, I think this might be like their fourth or fifth DNF at Alfa Romeo, whether it's uh, um, Bottas or uh, Joe Guanyu, it's been bad for them. Like mm. every single race they've had a DNF. And it's always, I think, most of the time to do with their power unit. So... Like you said, Ferrari. <sighs> Pull your finger out, Ferrari. We do mm. want to see a competitive Scuderia, and unfortunately, you're not providing that at the moment. So, yeah, that's our Hungarian Grand Prix uh, review. Anyway, it was a, it was a, a really good race, an interesting race. It was building and building, building. As I say, I did think did think there was going to be a little crescendo at the end, but it didn't happen. I'm happy with the results. Happy to see the people that are competitive being competitive. But I would like to see Ferrari up there, making it a bit more difficult for Red Bull for the rest of the season. Okay, well, let's move on to our special guest who has come along to speak to us today, Jehan Daruvala. Thank you very much again for for giving us your expert opinions on on the Hungarian Grand Prix. Can you tell us where it all began for you in terms of were you a fan of F1 first or were you introduced to it by somebody? How, How did you get into motorsport? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, before I started racing, yeah, I used to be a fan of Formula One. Uh, I, I mainly started watching Formula One in 2005, 2006. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe Glory Watcher, but yeah, Alonso was uh, was my favorite. Up until he pretty much retired from for his first time, uh, first retirement and McLaren. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's when I started watching Formula One, 2005 and six, and I, I, I probably started racing in uh, 2010. You know, uh, I did karting. I started karting uh, back home in, in India. Uh, I only did a year, a year and a half karting in India just because the, the level wasn't that high. You know, that we had uh, eight or nine people competing. Uh, wow. And yeah, I did. I kind of followed like a trajectory of like two years in India, two years in Asia, and then I, I went to kart in Europe. Uh, I did a couple of years of karting in Europe. Uh, I was actually teammates with, uh, with Lando. Uh, in karting, I was his teammate in cars as well. Uh, cool. I raced George Russell in a British Karting Championship in 2013. Uh, my first ever karting race in Europe was, uh, I think Leclerc was part of that field as well. So, uh, you know, I, I've raced uh, yeah, quite a few of the guys now in Formula 1. So, uh, it's been a pretty cool journey. You, throughout your kind of F3 and F2 career, you kind of jumped back and forth between Carlin and Bremer. So I just wanted to ask kind of what was kind of the motivation to go from one to the other, back to the other? Um, what would be kind of, especially in Formula 2, obviously we know Bremer is such a historic team. They've won so many times. How is this year in particular different to, to last year with, with Carlin? Yeah, I think uh, it's a tricky question. Uh, you know, last year, Bremer pretty much dominated uh, the second half of the season. They had all the pole position, uh, pretty much all the, the feature race wins. Uh, so, yeah, it was a no-brainer for me, really, uh, to switch. And, yeah, it's not been, not gone to plan. You know, we've struggled a lot. Uh, my teammate also has come from Formula 3, who won uh, at Premier there. Uh, we just haven't had the, the outright pace, especially the last uh, three rounds since, since Austria. Um, you know, we've been really, really slow in the races, so... Uh, up until then, I had the fastest average of, of race pace. And yeah, the last three rounds, uh, yeah, we are a bit lost. Uh, you know, uh, my teammate had to do a two-stop race in, in Hungary just because we, mm. we killed the tires in, in an F2 race. And in the sprint race, I had to do a pit stop as well because I ran out of tires. So yeah, it's a bit puzzling, especially knowing that they were so strong and so competitive last year. I think right now we don't have a lot of answers, but... Uh, you know, hopefully that changes. I'm still sitting fifth in the championship. I, I, I can probably still finish in the top three, but uh, for that to happen, we definitely need a turnaround in, in pace. Mm. But you've you've already scored what nearly as many podiums or more podiums than than last year, haven't you? So that that I suppose is something positive. That like you said, the first half of the season was pretty good, especially in sprint races. So yeah, f- fingers crossed that the the that the break gives you all a chance to reset. What what will you do? I suppose during the break to reset and kind of come back. To be honest, I'm I'm home in India right now. Uh, you know, apart from this podcast, I'm trying <laughs> to blank out racing for the next three weeks. Fair. Uh, you know, get my get my mind away from it. Uh, get the podcast in early so you can forget about it for the rest of the for the rest <laughs> of four weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, I arrived uh, yesterday, so yeah, I'm gonna at least for the next week. You know, stay away. Uh, get in touch with my engineers again uh, probably next week or uh, write some reports down uh, and from an engineering point of view uh, I can't design a race car to go fast uh, you know I don't know what a fast setup is uh, I know how to drive a car fast and uh, you know 
hopefully with my bit of feedback they can uh, figure out what's wrong and uh, i don't think that they are one of the smartest people they've had they're probably the best single seater team in junior categories so i don't see why we can't come back uh, fight and uh, come back strong and fighting at the front you know where we, we should be fighting for sure uh, going going back to obviously your carts and then moving into the cars, uh, you know the single seater cars. What was the transition like? Was it like a, a complete world of difference? Yeah, I think carting uh, is really good to develop. Uh, you know your racecraft, uh, also your computing day in day out. You naturally pick up driving lines and stuff. But uh, when you go to cars, it is a completely different ball game. Obviously, the basics remain quite similar, but uh, yeah. Uh, the way you drive a car is nothing like you drive a go-kart. Uh, you know, go-karts are a lot more nimble. Uh, mm. Well, uh, yeah, but it did take a couple of days to adapt. It, yeah, it, they were different, but, uh, you know, every car you drive, you just learn. Uh, the best car I have driven is obviously uh, last year's McLaren Formula 1 car. Uh, wow. Yeah, by far the best car driven and the most downforce. It's like in another league, even compared to Formula Two. Even though Formula Two is only one step away from F one, so yeah, cars are not even close to each other in terms of uh, braking and uh, downforce. Yeah, was that 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 must be obviously a highlight of your career? You've have you got another um, FP this year as well? Did I did I read? Uh, that was a test, private test with McLaren. Uh, I don't know if I have any FPs. So it doesn't look like it. I. I I hope so with Red Bull, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm the lead Red Bull junior in in in, in F2. I have been the lead, lead junior throughout the whole year, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't look like anything is, is panning out. Well, let's hope you do get a, a free practice at some point because there's a there's a regulation, isn't there? They they need to each seat needs to be filled at least for one Friday free practice. So I think it's two actually for uh, each team. To yeah, so one for each seat, I think, isn't it? One one for each uh, car. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, hopefully, the I don't think Red Bull have used both, have they? I think did they give? No, they just used one. They give Vips. Was it Vips one? Yeah, that they they gave earlier yeah. in the year. So yeah, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity. Let's hope you get that that position. Yeah. Um, Aksha, question for Jayhan. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask about your test, but you told us a little bit about it. So I'll switch tracks a little bit. Obviously, you've been in motorsport for a long time. Uh, recently, we've seen the rise of campaigns such as We Races One and maybe a cultural shift uh, in the paddock. Have you been able to feel that as an Indian driver, as a coloured driver coming into a predominantly white sport arena? Um, have you been able to feel the shifting culture? To be honest, I have not been exposed to uh, the world of obviously Lewis has been in Formula One, so it's a bit different for him. You know, he, expo- he he's exposed to it on a global a lot bigger stage uh, for me I've had no trouble uh, at all I've been uh, racing Europe for almost a decade now uh, and, I, and I feel at home you know all teams all championships have, have welcomed me uh, it's not been a matter of where I come from or how I look so yeah I've been uh, well respected wherever I go so uh, you know from that side uh, I have not had any trouble at all well that's good it's good, good to see these campaigns are really good for bringing in more inclusivity but it's good to to hear that actually you don't feel necessarily uh, even though you are in a minority you don't feel victimized or you don't find it more difficult because of the color of your skin or the nationality that you're from yeah definitely i think obviously you know even in formula two and formula three let's say there's predominantly 
just European people, let's put it that way. Uh, there's not many people coming from Asia or, or Africa as such. You know, it's uh, more European people who, who run the sport and run the team. So I think that's why you also you know, don't see too many people of colour around in the battle. Have you noticed any kind of shift back home? Have you got lots of Indian fans that are kind of following you and following your progress and kind of saying, you know what, this is something that I want to to, to do. I want to follow in Jehan's footsteps. Yeah, uh, I do have a lot of following uh, in India, which is really nice for me to see. Uh, there's a lot of push uh, for me to go through Formula One. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it is really, it's a business where it's not easy to get into. You know, sometimes even yeah, if you're getting good results and, and doing well, you need to be there at the, the right place and at the right time. And hopefully that time is there for me. But uh, yeah, currently for next year, it looks really, really difficult uh, so I still have to, you know, see what I can do. And hopefully I still have uh, all my support or backing wherever I go in, in, in motorsports. And there are so many other motorsports at elite level that you could join if you don't get into Formula One. Let's, let's hope that's not the case. And let's hope you do get, obviously, your, your shot in Formula One. But is there any series that you'd, that you'd maybe kind of lean towards if, if you don't get to go into F1? Or maybe IndyCar, would you consider? Or... Uh, any of the other kind of Formula E? Yeah, I think I, I want to stay in single-seaters. So, yeah, I think Formula E and IndyCar would probably be my next preferred options. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, Formula 1 is the goal, but, uh, you know, if I could make a career and make a living uh, driving race cars in, in Formula E or IndyCar, it's, it's something I would love to do as well. So endurance would not necessarily be something you'd be looking to go for immediately, but maybe later in life? No, I think later in life, it's uh, something that I could look into. But uh, right now, yeah, it's more not, not endurance racing, single seat racing. Cool. Uh, Emma, have you got a question for Johan? Uh, yeah, I do. We recently had Bianca Bustamante from W Series on the podcast. And she's from the Philippines. And she was talking about the difference between racing with four or five drivers in her hometown and stuff and then going to Europe. Did you find it quite overwhelming or were you just concentrating on the racing? Yeah, in, in the end, it is overwhelming. Uh, you do. When I came from India, like I said, I was racing just a handful of people. And uh, the first time I ever went to UK, it was, I'd never really driven in the rain in India. It was like hailing. It was minus four degrees and we were driving and karting. It was definitely a traumatizing first experience. Uh, <laughs> and then I went to compete in Italy in uh, in this track in Garda and there were 120 competitors uh, competing and you know you work through stages and at the time my goal was to just make it to the final which was the uh, you know the final 36 and you know that's the difference in level when you come from India uh, racing and then you come to Europe you know just to go to the finals was a was a big goal for me uh, and you know eventually after some time you get used to it and your achievements and your goals change uh, then it goes to becoming in the top five on the podium and winning races so i would definitely say it was overwhelming when i first came over but uh, uh, now europe is my home i've been living in england for 10 years or so now uh, i hmm. finished my school there as well so yeah i would say uh, racing is definitely my, my second home are you getting used to the weather here constant rain <laughs> Not a fan, but especially the winters when it's dark by three o'clock, it gets quite depressing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to tell us. We live here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've obviously been uh, racing around, you say, 10 years around Europe and around the world, really, now uh, with, with F2 and obviously F3. Have you got a favourite track that you like to visit and race at? Yeah, my favourite track uh, is Spa. Uh, it, it, it was my favourite before I even drove it, and it's, it's remained my favourite. I think it's obviously not the same after, you know, the death of Antoine Hubert there in Formula 2, but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's still my favorite track in terms of layout and, and, and track to drive. Mm. And we're going there very soon. Yeah, next time. Yeah, you're excited. Do you think you can, uh, what do you think you can do with the car in Spa? I just hope we're a bit quicker than we are right now. You know, uh, in the end, uh, in, in sports like this, you can only be compared to your teammate. And compared to my teammate this year, I have been doing uh, pretty well at all the races. So yeah. I do hope to be fighting for pole positions and race wins, but... Uh, you know, we got to see uh, when, when I get there. I'm confident in my own ability and confident that I can do well, but uh, yeah, let's hope the car's quick enough and we can fight the front. Akshar, another question for Jayham? Not a question, but a, li- a little uh, a little bit of speaking to your support. I'm in a group chat for Indian fans of F1, and there are about three or four different group chats, all full to the brim, and every single one of them, all of them are Jayham fans. We all are waiting and looking forward to seeing you come out in F1 hopefully soon and when I uh, message on the group chat to say I'm I'm in an interview with you and uh, does anyone have any questions all everyone is saying is no questions but we hope to see you in F1 soon and they're all supporting you together oh it's nice Perfect. thank you very much it's yeah. nice to hear convey that support that's coming to the phone right now great great is Sean another question for Jaha uh, I had one, but we've kind of already answered it. I was going to say with, with four rounds left of the season which track of Spaz and Monza and I would have you most looking forward to, but I'm going to guess it's probably Spa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask, obviously the last few winners in F2, like uh, Mick and Oscar, have both been part of a junior team. And at the moment, the guy at the top of the standings is Felipe, and he isn't part of a junior team. Does that surprise you? Because it's not happened for quite a long time. I think he obviously started the season without uh, being part of a junior team. And normally you don't really associate with the junior team in the middle of a season. You kind of uh, go through a season, you have discussions towards the end of the year if you're doing well. Uh, like for me in 2019, I had a, a good season throughout. In F3, I was fighting for the championship, but uh, I only had talks with Dr. Marco and Red Bull at the last round of the season. And that was for my 2020 campaign. So I think, yeah, for him, he's obviously in his third season in, in, in F2. He's not going to repeat for sure, uh, but yeah, he deserves to go to Formula One. But again, the business we're in, you have to be there at the right place at the right time. And unfortunately for him, it doesn't look like there are many seats opening up uh, next year. And, and talking about junior teams, what, what is it that Red Bull do for you? Obviously, you say communication is kind of just kind of kept to a minimum. Do they provide you with kind of trainers, that sort of thing, uh, to, to kind of help you uh, along your way? Yeah, they they don't. Like, I have my own personal trainer, but uh, I go to Red Bull before every single race event. We use the simulator there. Uh, yeah, we do have trainers at Red Bull who test our fitness every couple of months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be strength, neck, uh, cardio, uh, all of that kind of stuff. We also go into the factory and just, uh, you know, chat with Formula One engineers. So, you know, we go into the R&D and we go into the background. We're junior drivers, so, yeah, we do, like, yeah, we clean some parts of the car and stuff. We do the dirty work itself sometimes, <laughs> but uh, 
it's it's all for a part of work experience and you know for us to understand what really goes on behind you know so we at the end of the day we are driving the cars on track but uh, to really see that there's a uh, thousands of people you know at the factory every single fine detail is is done to perfection and you know to guard on track and damage your floor on lap one is uh, months and months of hard work so uh, you know it, it it puts everything into perspective for us which is also really nice to you know yeah and, and it must have been great to be obviously part of the Red Bull Young Drivers Program obviously it's one of the most it's one of the biggest uh, young drivers programs and one of the probably most elite ones to to, to happen how, how did that happen for you did who who gave you the call was it Dr Marco himself or was it via yeah. long parts of discussion that kind of led to it yeah it was basically uh, towards the end of 2019 when I was fighting for the F3 championship uh, I was already in discussion with Colin to take the 2020 F2C and uh, at the time uh, you know I think Dr. Marco was already pushing for Sonoda to, to go to Colin in F2. And uh, he asked Trevor if uh, he could run two juniors and, you know, have a chat with my father and me in Sochi and see where we can go ahead. And so I met him in Sochi, which was the last run of my season. Uh, mm-hmm. We had discussions, we shook hands. And two weeks after that, I tore my ACL, meniscus, everything while playing football. So I was not sure if I was even going to be fit enough and ready to compete. So it kind of all came on a hold. And uh, yeah, just before the season, two months before, I was like, oh, I think I'm ready. And he was like, yeah, you should be fine. And yeah, we can crack on. And uh, uh, that's how I became part of Red Bull. And uh, yeah, it's, been a, it's been a nice long journey and uh, hopefully there's more to come. Yeah, we hope so too. Also, uh, you you were discovered by Force India, weren't you, uh, as well? That's worth noting. I completely forgot to mention that earlier. Yeah, I was uh, actually one of the three winners of the One in a Billion Hunt, which was uh, you know, organized in India. Oh, there were thousands and thousands of people competing. And yeah, eventually, uh, the three of us went to to Europe. We, we took part in the British Party Championship in 2013. That was the year that we raced Russell. And uh, at the end of that year, I was uh, the sole person who continued with Force India. And uh, up until, uh, you know, Vijay Malia, uh, left Formula One and was part of uh, Force India was when my association was there. And uh, towards halfway through 2018 and into 2019, I, I became, a, let's just say, like a free agent. Well, I wanted to ask, because I, I want to make a habit of asking all the drivers that come on this question, but do you have like a pre-race ritual or any superstitions that you do before getting in the car? Uh, no, I don't, to be honest. Uh, I'm not superstitious at all. I just, I just put my helmet on and I go in. Uh, the only thing is when I do go in the car, I don't like, uh, I'm quite relaxed and I'm quite chatty before I get in. Uh, once I put my helmet on, apart from my race engineer, I don't really like to speak to anyone or, or even look at anyone. I just uh, look down at my steering wheel and, and get focused and ready for my race. So no lucky gold pants? No, nothing. Kimi Raikkonen will be proud of that kind of answer. <laughs> yeah. Just put my yeah, I'm on quite laid back and <laughs> I'm quite laid back and relaxed when it comes to that kind of stuff. I, I don't overthink. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we are all young drivers fighting for, for one goal and there's no point to be nervous or, or make it any more exciting than it already is. Mm-hmm. You might have to speak to Martin if you get into Formula One, though. Yeah. Might get ambushed on the pit walk. <laughs> Martin Brundle, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Akshar, your question. Uh, my question, I don't know if you'd be able to answer it, if you'd be allowed to answer it, but um, 
Helmut Marco, uh, looking into the sport, uh, Dr. Helmut Marco is uh, seems to be a bit intimidating, a bit scary. Uh, is he like that with the junior drivers, or do you see a softer side to him? No, he's not. Yeah, he is can be quite hard, but he uh, he's really nice guy. He's funny. Uh, you know, you can easily have a norm, normal conversation with him when he when he needs to be strict. He's strict, but uh, yeah, he, he he's not that scary or intimidating as, as people think on the on the outside. Uh, he's yeah. He, if you do have uh, some bad race weekends, then yeah, he will give you some flack. But apart from that, you know, he knows we are all young kids trying trying to achieve our dreams, and he's uh, he's there along the way to, to help us and push us there. Well, I think that's all of our questions. All I'd like to say is thank you very much for coming to chat to us today. You've been very generous with your time. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you. Uh, do you want to promote yourself on your own socials while you're here before we leave the podcast? Where can anyone find you on socials? Uh, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. But I don't really know my username. <laughs> I'm sure they'll find <laughs> you. But the one yeah, with the blue tick usually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if I go, go ahead to see uh, Jay Handeruvla on his Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and see what he's up to uh, over his summer break. If he's going to share anything, you're going to share anything with your fans? Or are you going to stay private for that time? Uh, a little bit here and there. I like to keep my private life private, but uh, yeah, maybe a few glimpses of me going bowling or something. I don't know. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much for my team to come and come in to chat to us today about the Hungarian Grand Prix and, of course, asking Jehan Deruvla all the questions. This has been the Everything Everyone podcast. Remember to please follow us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok. Also, our website, www.everythingf1.com. And of course, we'd love you to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Thank you very much, Sean, Akshar, and Emma. Thank, thank you. you very much. And thank you once again to Jehan Deruvala. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.